Welcome to Walking Together, a podcast all about encouraging each other as we follow Jesus together. I'm your host, Dennis Lavelle. Let's start walking. More and more, we're hearing the phrase GOAT. And if you're not familiar with that, it's an acronym that stands for the greatest of all time. And it usually refers to athletes or even musicians who are the best of the best in their field. But today, we're not going to talk about that kind of goat. We're talking about a genuine, bona fide animal called a goat. And in Genesis 38, one of Jacob's sons, Judah, decides to marry a Canaanite woman. Now, God had told them not to intermarry with the Canaanites, but Judah really didn't seem to care. So he married. They had three sons, Ur, Onan, and Shelah. And after they'd grown up a bit, Judah wanted to help out his oldest son, so he found Ur a wife, and her name was Tamar. So Ur marries Tamar, and God actually strikes him dead for being so wicked. Now, we don't know what things he did, but he was evil enough that God just took him out. And the custom in those days was that when the older brother died and he didn't have any children, the younger brother was obliged to marry the brother's wife to keep his family line going. So Onan, the secondborn, is now given to Tamar. But Onan decided he didn't want to have children with Tamar. So he chose not to continue his brother's family tree. So God strikes Onan dead as well. So at this point, Judah tells Tamar, well, just, just wait till the youngest son, Shelah, is old enough, and then you can marry him. So she waits and waits and waits and waits, and it seems like Judah has either forgotten or more than likely decided not to give his last son to Tamar as promised. Now think about it. The firstborn marries Tamar, and he dies. The secondborn marries Tamar, he dies. So there's probably some reluctance to let Shelob marry her. And it kind of reminds me of the woman standing before the judge in court. All three of her husbands had died while being married to her. And so the judge asks, how did your first husband die? Oh, well, he died of mushroom poisoning. Oh, well, how did your second husband die? Well, he died of mushroom poisoning too. (laughs) Well, what about your third husband? He died of a fractured skull. And the judge says, well, how did that happen? And the woman replied, he didn't like mushrooms. (laughs) Now, I don't know if something like that was running through Judah's mind, but there was indeed some hesitance to let Shelah marry Tamar. Now, if you take the time to read the chapter before and the chapter after, it's all about Joseph. So there's a break in the flow here, but it's on purpose. God allows Moses to put this chapter here because it provides a contrast with Joseph's attitude towards temptation to sin and Judah's attitude toward temptation and sin. And in this chapter, Judah gives in to sexual temptation. But in the next chapter, Joseph is faced with the same temptation and he handles it in a godly way. And the more we read, we see how unlike Judah was to his brother Joseph. And this whole idea and attitude that it was okay to marry an unbelieving, pagan, idol-worshipping woman was passed down to their children, Er, Onan, and I'm sure Shelah. And in the meantime, Judah's wife dies. 
and he does what all men do when they want to grieve the loss of their wife. He went sheep-shearing with his friend Hira. Now, that doesn't seem very appealing to me, but hey, that's what he chose to do. And once Tamar realized that Judah was not going to keep his promise, she decided to take things into her own hands. So she makes a plan to get pregnant by her father-in-law. She was going to unlawfully get what should have been lawfully hers. And Tamar thinks, okay, if the family line is not going to be preserved by the thirdborn, then it will be preserved by the only other living relative, her father-in-law. And so what does she do? She dresses up as a prostitute. He sees her and thinks, sure, why not? After all, my wife is dead. And so he makes a deal with her, and they agree on a young goat as payment. But Tamar wanted collateral. So Judah gave her his customized ring and staff. So the deal is done. The deed is done. Judah then sends his sheep-shearing friend, Hira, to go give her the goat. But she's nowhere to be found. No one knows who or where this prostitute is that he's looking for. And time passes. Words get back to Judah that his daughter-in-law is pregnant. Obviously, someone other than his third son is the father, and he is furious. So they bring her in front of a public assembly, ready to stone her. And Tamar says, okay, okay, one last thing before you kill me. Let me show you something. And she says, the father of this baby is the owner of the things that I hold in my hand. And she shows everyone Judah's ring and staff. And at this point, Judah admits that he is the father and that it was wrong of him not to give Shelah, his third son, to her, to marry. But we really never read where he actually confesses his sin. And this whole event of Tamar and Judah and his sons, I mean, it's just, you look at it and it's just filled with deception and wickedness and hypocrisy and manipulation and prostitution. But yet you continue to see God's faithfulness here. Despite all the ways these people were unfaithful to God, he remained faithful to his promise to their family. Now, how do we know this? Well, Matthew chapter 1 lists Judah, Tamar, and their son, Perez, in the lineage of Jesus. That's an amazing thing. It also lists Rahab, who was also a harlot, and the wife of Uriah, who was also an adulteress, and even Ruth, who wasn't a prostitute, but rather she was an idol worshiper, and she didn't even know about the living God until her husband was dead, and she began living with Naomi. Now listen, while Scripture never endorses most of what happens in Genesis 38, God was working in all that mess to bring about the birth of the very one who would redeem us from sins like those. And that should encourage you. Judah was an imperfect man. Tamar was an imperfect woman. And we don't know a lot about their son, Perez, but it all goes to show us that when we are unfaithful, he will continue to be faithful to every promise that he's made. See, unlike the promises that we make to others and not keep, 
or promises that people make to us and then break. He's not like that. He's a promise keeper. And because of that, we have hope every single day. So don't get ahead of God. Don't do any backdoor deals. Wait on his timing. A goat isn't worth it. A house isn't worth it. Ruining your marriage isn't worth it. Nothing is worth it. Don't get ahead of God. He'll keep his promises. Our job is to remain patient and trust him. Well, thanks for joining in today. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. That way you don't have to go find us. We come to you. Free delivery. We'll see you next time. Thank you.